We were made to be courageous. We were made to lead the way. We could be the generation that finally breaks the chains. We were made to be The sermon today is always enough. It comes directly from the text. You'll see it in my third point. It's the scriptures. 1 Kings 17, talking about courage. Elijah had to have courage to leave the brook Kareth. Probably had been there a year. We talked about that last week. Uh, Ravens were bringing him bread and meat. And he's got this beautiful stream that's giving him water. It dries up. And God says, I want you to go someplace else. Sometimes that's hard to do when you don't know where the next meal will come from. What, where will you get provision? And uh, if you've lost what, what your source of provision was, you say, I'm nervous, God, where are you? <clears throat> it reminds me of a man who was hiking along and he slipped on the trail, fell down a cliff and grabbed a flimsy branch. He was all by himself just hanging there at his own peril, about to fall to his death. And he yelled up, is there anyone up there? Silence. He thought, Again, I I gotta yell louder. Is there anyone up there? And a booming voice from the sky said, Yes, this is the Lord. Let go and I will save you. He thought for a minute and said, Is there anyone else up there? (laughs) And that's the way we feel sometimes in life because we are told to take a step or we're in a place where that step doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense. That was kind of the way it was with Elijah here. Didn't seem to make sense because we'll see why right here in the first point. When it comes to giving to God, faith is required. And when I say giving, we have a widow here who's giving, but we have a man of God who's giving by just giving his life and going everywhere the Lord says to go. Do you know God speaks to his children? By the way, that's one of the cool things about having a personal relationship is you get to have the guidance of the almighty living God who would whisper to your heart and show you the right way, even in your relationships, the right way to handle things, not only through his word, but the whisper of his Holy Spirit. And so we have a man giving his life here and a woman giving all of her sustenance. We'll see it in 1 Kings 17. It says this, so he went to Zarephath. This is Elijah, the man of God. He's leaving that brook. He's leaving that place of provision. And as he arrived at the gates of the village, he saw a widow gathering sticks and he asked her, would you please, please bring me a little water in a cup? And as she was going to get it, he called to her, bring me a bite of bread too. But she said, I swear by the Lord your God, which I think is interesting. I'm not sure she's a believer yet. Because she said, your God. And I don't have a single piece of bread in the house. And I have only a handful of flour left in the jar. And a little cooking oil in the bottom of the jug. I was just gathering a few sticks to cook this last meal and then my son and I will die. So let's, let's break this down in the word. Zarephath, God speaks to him, go to this Gentile city. Gentile, if you see that in the Bible, it means non-Jewish. It's every other race, every other um, nation. And, and non-Jewish, so he goes into this Gentile territory, which is near Sidon, which is the town, the hometown of Jezebel. So it's a hard step for him to take, not only to leave because he's leaving provision, but God says, hey, by the way, 
I want you to go, and I want you to go into enemy territory right now. Well, remember, Jezebel's trying to kill the prophet. She's, she's already given the decree out with her husband Ahab the king, and they're killing prophets everywhere because they're looking for one prophet. And it's Elijah, because he's given the word of God that it won't rain, and it's not rained for a year and a half now. But not only does God give him this hard step of going to enemy territory, God says, I want you to go into an area that's depressed, and we know that historically when we look back that they didn't have a lot of food in this time in this city. And I want you to go to the poorest widow who doesn't have any food, and I want you to live there, and I'm going to provide for you. So if I'm Elijah, I'm thinking, okay, enemy territory, don't we want me to live, you know? I mean, don't we have a better place, God, than enemy territory out in the open? And by the way, if you're going to provide for me, why a poor widow? Couldn't it be just a really rich person that would just, you know, then, then I would know and I'd feel comforted. But God's not about um, just doing things in such a way that we would think it's that person who provided our own, our own thinking that worked it out. He'll let the odds stack up against us so we can see that it's him when he moves. And often, he's the God of the 11th hour because he wants everybody to know we have a tendency to take credit. You know, like the guy who's construction worker working on the roof, he slips and falls and yells out, oh God, save me. And just before he falls off the edge of this two-story building, his pants legs are caught in a nail. And he pulls himself back up and he says, never mind, Lord, this nail caught me. And we tend to be that way sometimes when we pray, right? God, help me. And then he does me think, man, that was a smart thing I said to that person. And when I did that interview, I was so good that we tend to give ourselves credit. So God will let the odds stack up sometimes. But it's, much of the time, it's because he wants to show that it's really him and not anyone else. So he, he obeys the Lord. He takes that step. He goes into Zarephath, which, by the way, uh, means refining. So he goes into this refining fire out into enemy territory with this widow where he's wondering, how, can you, how will you provide? But he trusts God, and he moves. And not only <clears throat> uh, did he have faith for a moment, but I want you to see that he had faith for a season. We tend to pray and want God to answer it right away. He'll give us a vision sometimes. I believe... The Lord has shown me over and over again, and I speak it to you, that he's dropped some things in your heart that are, that are ministries. We call them parachurch ministries, ministries outside the church. And I believe that God's shown me that he, he's going to do that with a number of you. That they won't even necessarily be church ministries with a small C, like Horizon, but with a big C. That they'll go out to bless people around America and across the world. I believe God is doing that. I already see ministries rising up that way and God fulfilling that promise. So I want those of you who God's dropped a dream into your heart, but you haven't got going or you don't know what, quite where to go, I want you to listen closely because this guy had not only faith for a moment, but faith for a season. Interesting if you go to 1 Kings 18, it's kind of the end of this story with the widow and you will see an incredible happening next week when we talk about what happened with her boy. But at the end of that time, it says this, after a long time, in the third year, the word of the Lord came to Elijah. It looks like from the text that Elijah lived with that widow in that area for two years. So, three years, he's about to step out at the end of, you know, in, verse, in 18, we'll get to that later, chapter 18, at the end of the three-year drought, which it didn't rain, that he prophesied. But I want to just concentrate for today on the three years for a moment. We want God to move right now. God's not obligated to take our timing. 
Um, he wants us to take his peace, but he wants us to know that he's the one who builds the church, he's the one who does the work, and our job is to be faithful and trusting and move when he says move. You heard my definition of faith last week. Getting pointed in the right direction, right foot, left foot in the right direction one step at a time. So our job when God gives us a call, a vision, a work, is to take a step at a time. And that's the way he reveals it. And it takes a season. Not just a day, a second, weeks, hours, months. When you look at this work here, we started over 10 years ago to come to this land, right? We didn't know that this would be the place or that we'd be sitting in this beautiful building or that people would be getting their lives touched the way they're getting touched in the schools and the church. God's just done some phenomenal things among us. But there was a time where we had a vision and, and we'd been given the direction, but we didn't have provision. You ever been to a place where you had a vision but no provision yet? Well, um, that's the way it was. And, and, and yet God provided. I remember... Um, Years ago, when we were, it was about a decade ago, Pastor John, who was on staff at the time, uh, and I were looking for land in the area. Where would be the land that the Lord might give us? And we had no money, but we had the dream in our hearts, and we had talked to you about it, and we started by faith looking. I remember going to a farm nearby our old site. Matter of fact, it was the same family that the, the site we bought from. It was part of their heritage in another location. And we were looking. So I remember going past a don't, you know, do not enter sign to go in and talk to this farmer about whether he'd be willing to sell his land. We're just poking around trying to find out what God's doing. And I went in there and that farmer said to me that day, um, first of all, he looked at me a little funny because the sign said don't come in and I, I did. But I've, I felt the Lord was uh, gonna bless it and he was with us. And so I, 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 I went in and he, he looked at me, he was working on a truck, he turned around and said, son, you don't have enough money to buy this land. And I said, sir, you're absolutely right. But what you might not understand is I serve a God who can give it into our hands anytime he wants to. So I'm just asking, is this land available? He said, you just, you'd never have enough for this. Well, I wonder sometimes if he's seen what's happened in the papers and where the Lord has taken us. It was a different location. But in, in that day, I had faith that God would do it even though we weren't there. It's not just me, it was you too. We were, we were moving by faith, not by things we could see, but by faith. When that county planner said to Pastor John and I that day many years ago, not even God or the Pope could give you that much land in the urban growth boundary. I said to him, oh, you shouldn't have said that. Because <laughs> now God's going to have to show you he's big enough. It's the same county planner who signed off and he was happy that we got the land when it happened because he was a believer. And, and, and these are things that faith, faith is something that we have to walk in as we as we move forward, when it comes to giving to God and doing God's will, faith is required. Hebrews 11 says, it is impossible to, impossible to please God without faith. In your life, you're going to have to believe that he is good and wants to help you and he's bringing something good about. That is faith. Anyone in scriptures here, anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists but it's not just that, and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. God rewards our faith. <clears throat> Hebrews 11 tells us what faith is. It's the confident assurance that something we want is going to happen. This is a scripture. These aren't my words. It is a certainty that what we hope for is waiting for us. 
even though we cannot see it up ahead. By the way, anybody notice those poster billboards outside with another building on them? I just want to set your heart at ease for just a moment. That is not part of 2.10, the new horizon. There's new things coming, but that's not one of them. What we're doing is the same thing we did before we had this land and building. I'm saying, God's saying, we're not done yet. I know it's a building, it's a facility, but facilities facilitate ministry. This building has a lot to do with reaching out and bringing our community in, not just our schools and ourselves. And there's a lot of vision attached to that from athletics and the whole realm from the arts, but our community is involved in this one. And here's why I put it up there. I don't want you to forget that we're not done. We're going to pray. Here's what I want. We're not going to raise money for that, but here's what I want you to do. Would you just pray with me every time you go by that? Listen, if, we're, if you're not doing something beyond what you can already do for God, you're not believing him for enough. I mean, if you can do it yourself, why does he need to show up? But if you believe for God for something that's beyond your own ability, now faith is required. And God will always move our hearts. The vision, his vision, always has to do with blessing others, not ourselves. It's not about getting more money, more houses, more cars, more lands. Uh, I believe God blesses people, but, but I believe that he blesses us to give so his kingdom will be built. Well, how about if we believe God for something beyond ourselves, beyond what we can do? Would you just pray with me? Pastor Roger and I are gonna be going to people and asking outside donors to help us to build this building. And I don't know how God will provide, but I'm gonna tell you by faith today, I believe he will provide and we will see it in our day. We're moving forward to touch more people across the world and in our community. If you have not faith, there's a great likelihood you'll have not miracles. We see it in the Bible. You can't deny it. You must have faith for miracles to happen. You must believe that he rewards those who seek him. You must believe that when you're trying to build his kingdom and he puts something in your heart and you move towards it, he will do it in his time if it's his vision. We see it in Matthew 13, faith's required, verse 58, and he did not do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. That's why some of you who are prayer warriors, you're just huge in the story at Horizon, just huge. You didn't have money to give, but you had faith. And you prayed. And you've seen it come about as you've believed God and asked God. And what, what is more miraculous than those people who are getting baptized today? There's no greater miracle. There's not. I mean, if we brought someone up here and prayed and legs grew, we'd be amazed. There's no greater miracle than the miracles happening when lives are saved and people are changed. God called the widow to have faith, not just Elijah. I mean, think of it. She's a single woman with just enough for one more meal. And God says to her, give it. She said in verse 12, I have only a handful of flour and a little jar of oil. When God calls us to something, all he asks is that he gives, that we give rather, what he's asking us to give. And when we do, he takes care of the rest. Faith moves the heart of God to unleash his power and his miracles. Second thought today, God's not limited when it comes to providing for your needs, for the needs of this church. 1 Kings 17, verse 13, but Elijah said to her, she's afraid now, she only has a little bit. 
He says, don't be afraid. Go ahead and do just what you said, but make a little bread for me first. That sounds selfish, doesn't it? But it was actually God requiring faith from the widow, the single woman. Then use what's left to prepare a meal for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. There will always be flour and oil left in your containers until the time when the Lord sends rain and the crops grow again. Whether it's physical, material, spiritual, God really needs to help us to have spiritual eyes today. God is not limited. We are human and we're bound by the natural to some degree. The only way the supernatural shows up is if God gets involved. So we think naturally, just in the natural. There's a beginning and an end to our abilities. The odds are so great in some things we know we can't do it. But the problem with that is if we let our human thinking drive us, then we don't bring God into the quotient. God is not limited in any way to do whatever he wants to do. He's omnipotent, and that means all-powerful, can do anything. Every part of creation you see, when I've been snow skiing and fishing and out among mountains and nature and streams, I can't help but look at that stuff and see God. And I'll have a moment at times where I say, God, you're so amazing, you created this. The complexity of the human body, he's the creator. Spinning around this globe is at hundreds of thousands of miles an hour and here we just sit still. It's crazy. He's the creator who created even gravity. We are natural. He is supernatural. Everything you see, he's done. Every good and perfect gift comes from the Father above. Here, here, this, this is a trip here. It's, it's a lot to think about. He lives outside the dimensions of space and time. We are limited. He is not. Our thinking is bound by what we know and what we experience, but it shouldn't be. We should believe that he is who he says he is and rewards those who seek him. A man Ask God, how long is a million years to you? And God said, a million years is like a second to me. Then the man asked, well, how much is a million dollars to you? And God said, a million dollars is like a penny to me. The man smiled and said, um, God, could you spare a penny? And God said, sure, just wait a second. I, I mean, get... <laughs> the point is, a penny is the same as a trillion to him. In our annual budget for America, that's not true. But to God, he's not limited. I like what Mark Batterson said in his book, Circle Maker. With God, he said, look on the screen here. You can read it with me. You don't have to read it out loud, but just read it as I read it to you. With God, there's no big or small, easy or difficult, possible or impossible. To the finite, all infinites are equal. That'd be a good thing to just remember. To the finite, all infinites are equal. Even our hardest prayers are easy for the omnipotent one to answer because there's no degree of difficulty to him. Ephesians 3.20. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more 
There it is. He's infinite. We're finite. He's infinite. Infinitely more than we can ask or think. Wait a minute. I can ask and think of a lot. I really can. But evidently, he can do so much more than I can even think of. He can take a few loaves and fishes and feed thousands. Your thinking and my thinking is addition and subtraction, but when God gets involved, it's multiplication. He's not bound by few. He's not bound by tremendous odds that are against us. He's not ever worried. We do, but he doesn't because he's, he's in complete control. I love the story of Elisha. Now, we, we're talking about Elijah today, but his predecessor is Elisha. And Elisha comes on the scene, and remember, he gets the mantle of Elijah. We'll talk about that later in this series. But there comes a time in his life where a really cool story happens in 2 Kings, and I want to bring it to your attention as we talk about faith. Elisha was also a prophet. The kings were mad at him, and they were chasing him. Very similar story to Elijah's, but, but different. Different man. And they find out this, these wicked kings that he's in the city of Dothan and so they want to go kill him because he's prophesying the word of God and the word of God is against the wicked kings. So they send all their horses and chariots, all their vast army to surround the small city of Dothan and trap the prophet Elisha. And here's the story in verse 15. When the servant of the man of God, so Elisha has a servant with him, got up and went out early the next morning an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. So here the odds are incredible against him. There's no way out of this city. He's not a fighting man. He doesn't have any weapons. He doesn't have anybody that's human to fight with him. And the servant is saying, I certainly can't do it. Have you ever been in a place where the odds were stacked incredibly against you? One of the great things about serving God is it's never over when he's in the quotient. Oh, when the odds are stacked against me, I can't do it. That man was right. I can't afford that land. I can't make things happen at this church. Those are things that only God can do. But I know him. And you know him. And when we're doing his will, he shows up incredibly because it's not just... Me or you, when we stand with him, it's almighty, all-powerful God. So if the odds are stacked against you, here's your answer. Elisha says to his servant, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. And Elisha prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. I pray today that God would open our eyes to see the vast army of angels that he supports us with. Open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Servant of the Lord. Do you know that when it comes to missionaries, no one can take their life unless the Lord allows it. When they're doing his will. Because he's more powerful than all the armies in any circumstances they would face. It's true for our lives too. 
Psalm 121, verse 1, I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. Now, we pass by the heaven and earth, but I want to give a little emphasis here. My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. That's the one that is your provider. And you are the apple of his eye. Third thought to hear here today. Give when God asks you and you'll never lose. Verse 15, so the king, or rather, so she did as Elijah said. She and Elijah and her son continued to eat for many days. So she cooks this last little bit that she has. They continued to eat for many more days, which means it's being replenished, just as God said. Verse 16, there was always enough. That's the title of the sermon today. Always enough when we follow God. Always enough flour and olive oil left in the containers just as the Lord had promised through Elijah. Now, this is a trip. Wait, 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 wait. So you, you want me to believe, someone may be saying, that the bowl was emptied and every morning when they came back, it was refilled. That's impossible. Exactly. It's impossible. But you're back to the natural thing. And he is supernatural. As a matter of fact, I bet there are a number of people here who've had their food replenished when, it was, when they thought they wouldn't have, and they go to their cupboards and God keeps putting food in there, even they don't, they don't know how it's going to come. They're giving to God, they're tithing, they're serving. They lost their job, they don't know what to do, and somehow every time they go to the cupboard, he's got food there. God promises that he will enable you to do his will and he'll care for your needs as you follow him. Elijah and the widow learned that God can do the supernatural with empty vessels. There might be someone here thinking, I I can't really do much for God. I mean, what talents do I have? Well, what talents did Mother Teresa have? I remember just before she died, a couple years before, there was a survey in America of the most influential woman in America. Guess who it was? Mother Teresa. Well, what, what, was, what, what was her schooling? Where did she get her master's from in education? I didn't even know that she had it. What was she famous for? Loving people who were down and out, dying and hurting. And she was the most influential woman in America at one time because of her example. I just want to talk about the empty vessel for just a moment. I know it's not talking about the person, but there is a place in the Bible where it says that he is the potter and we are the what? The clay. What's clay? It's a vessel. You'd be amazed at what God can do with empty vessels. He just puts something wonderful in there and it comes out sometimes. And people say, how'd that happen? And I like empty vessels because they never get the credit, right? Right? And if we'll just be empty vessels to say, God, I don't have much, but would you pour into me? Would you let me do little things with great love? I want to be faithful. You'll be amazed at what he can do through your life. When we can't, it's when God shows us that he can. Where our resources end, his are just beginning. What is impossible for us is easy for him. We can trust him when he asks us to do something. 
She trusted and the Lord just kept filling that bowl. And maybe for as long as two years. Remember chapter 18 again. So there's another place that God asks us to give and I I just want to take time and talk about it this morning. I don't do it much, but I believe in it. It's called the tithe. And I want to talk to you for a moment about that. I couldn't bring this up because I care care so much about you. I couldn't bring this up uh, if I didn't really believe it. You got to know that I've lived what I'm about to talk to you about from the time I was a little guy, my parents taught it to me, till today. And I've seen this principle proven over and over again. The tithe. The tithe in Hebrew that we're about to read means 10%. (laughs) The word tithe means 10%. 10%. And he says to his people, I'm talking about giving when God asks. Right? You'll never lose. That was the point here. That's what the widow was seeing. Malachi 3.8, God's talking to a nation of people who've just said, yeah, we're not going to tithe anymore. What do you mean? Where did we ever cheat you? The people say to God. And God says, you cheated me of the tithes. Just a little thought. If you're going to cheat anybody... Don't start with God, please. I mean, I mean, that's just a bad spot, right? You've cheated me of the tithes and the offerings due to me. You're under a curse for your whole nation has been cheating me. Now we see a place in Matthew, I, I believe it's 2220, I'm just doing that off of memory, where Jesus said, you've done these things. He said, you ought to tithe, yes, but you should do even more important things that are in the Bible. And he talks about love. So even Jesus said, you ought to tithe, yes. That's in the Bible. And God says, I find it interesting, there's only one place, we're gonna read it here in these next verses in Malachi, only one place in the Bible where God says, test me. And this is it. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. And the storehouse in the temple has to do with the church. God's even better than the best businessmen. He finances his work, and this is the way he did it. He's just really smart. He takes care of the ministers and the ministry and the ministry's two communities by saying, give to the church so that it might be dispersed to build my kingdom. And so we give to the place, the storehouse, the temple, is the church where God provides ministry to us. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. Wait, 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 wait. Do you really believe that? Do you trust him enough to say, I will tithe because I believe that you will open the windows of heaven for me. I will pour out a blessing so great that you won't have enough room to take it in. Again, I I could create a lot of room. (laughs) I don't think it's just about money, by the way. And we'll see next week, there's an amazing story about what happened for this widow when she gave the last little bit she had. It's that I'll show you. It's just more than money. It's the covering of God. Try it, put me to the test. That's what the text says. God says, test me. Okay, how about if you tested him? Put, Put whatever length you want to put on it and you see if during the test, if he doesn't take care of you. 
Your crops will be abundant. Now for us, it's not crops, but it's provision, right? It's, 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 it's a harvest. You know, we get a harvest through a check every week or whatever it may be, but God is our provider, right? That's where we look for our source. Your crops will be abundant for I will guard them from insects and disease. I think it means he won't let your businesses be hammered even. That he protects your businesses. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe. Fruit is not gonna rot says the Lord of Heaven's army. Tithing proves that we trust God. I thought about the negative side of that, but I thought I'd go more with the positive side. Tithing proves that we trust God. I like what Mark Batterson said again in his book. He said, if, you're, if you still live in the world of addition and subtraction, the tithe is diff- difficult to give because it feels like you're subtracting. Subtracting 10% from your income. But once you graduate to multiplication, you realize God can do more with the 90% than you can do with the 100%. I just want to say that again because that's pretty profound. It's pretty easy when we think of those terms, right? I mean, each of us can get there. Do we believe God could do more with the 90% than we could do with the 100? Of course we do. Let's let, it, let's let our faith be evidenced by tithing then. Why, Mark says, because when you add... God, to the equation of your finances, it changes the game. And I have a letter here from um, one of the choice servants, another of them. You met one this morning that's blessed us in our history. You know this one, uh, John Priest. John Priest, it's hard to believe, but he was once young. He, he really was. And, and uh, John, who was here for 15 years as a... Um, pastor among us and and blessed us so much, came into this church and got saved when he was 38 years old. And he's a little older than that now. So he's been here for a while. Uh, But there was a time in his brand new baby Christian life where God spoke something to him and he wrote this email for me that I want to read to you today. So this is John and Pam Priest tithing about, our testimony about tithing. John says, I don't know how long I'd been saved, but it wasn't very long. I was sitting in my hot tub praying and filled with joy because of my newfound salvation and I was asking God what I could do for him. I remember asking him if he wanted me to buy a bunch of Bibles and similar things like that. Seems a little silly now, but at the time I was so grateful and I was looking for a way to express that gratitude. And the closest thing I've ever heard as an audible voice from God, I heard him say to me in that moment, I want you to tithe. God knew if he was going to have all of me, John says, I was going to have to surrender in the area that was a stumbling block for me, our finances. Even though I said yes in my mind, I wasn't sure how God was going to work. I had a good job, a great salary for that period, but Pam and I were in debt and our expenses were greater than our income. When I added it all up, it just didn't pencil out. Our obligations were greater than Pam and I were making. In spite of that, we began to tithe. The Lord had been speaking to Pam about praying for herself because he knew that she would have fears and Pam knew our financial situation perhaps better than I, he says, because she'd been paying the bills. She'd been tithing on her salary, but it was another thing to begin tithing on mine. John says, I cannot tell you how we did it, but we did we never lacked for anything. Whenever things got tight, somehow, some way, we always had enough, always enough. John didn't know that was gonna be my 
sermon title today. We began to give and we paid our bills and within two years we were out of debt except for our house payment. God is good. If I hadn't known hundreds and hundreds of stories and testimonies about tithing, I wouldn't have nearly as much confidence to bring it to you. I believe what his word says, but I've seen testimony after testimony. Luke 6, 38. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, it will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Here's a single woman who has nothing, just one meal worth of food left. And God says, give it to me. And her faith is great. She does. And he just fills it over and over again. Just takes care for her. I, I, I'm not really into the prosperity doctrine. I believe God prospers us, but I believe prosperity is way more than money. Too many men and women of God have, have done great things with, with having little when it comes to finances to, for me to believe that, even in the Bible. The Son of Man, Jesus, had no place to lay his head. But I believe he'll provide for you with everything you need, not everything you want, because Americans want a lot. Always enough. But the covering is so much greater than finances. Next week, wait till you hear what happened for this lady who gave God everything she had. Wait till you hear the blessing that fell upon her and her family. In this moment, though, we see that he provided and he will provide for you. So let's have faith in him to believe. Faith is required that what he calls us to, he'll bring the provision. Let's have faith to believe that when he asks us to give something, he's, he's not gonna... We're not going to have less. We're going to have more in so many ways. And let's have faith to trust him and follow him and see him do great things in our lives and the lives of others.